everyone, and welcome to the Balanced Purpose Podcast. My name is Ray Trevino, and I am your host. Each week, we will explore the essential elements of living a fulfilling, balanced, and meaningful life. Our podcast brings together entrepreneurs, business executives, coaches, and everyday people like you and me who have seen challenges and have overcome adversities to create success and find balance in their lives. Whether you're a young professional seeking to make an impact in your career, a parent looking to balance work and family life, or a retiree seeking to create a new purpose, our podcast is something for everyone. So join us as we delve into the world of living a balanced and purposeful life and discover how you can create a life of balance and purpose for yourself. Today's guest is a keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and the founder and program director of Book Days, a children's literacy program focused on bringing books to life to encourage a love of reading in children. I would like to welcome Cassie Kincaid to our show. Cassie, how are you? I'm great, Ray. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited for our conversation. I am too. It's really great to have you on the show. If you wouldn't mind, would you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and maybe throw in a fun fact that most people don't know about you? Sure. I was a preschool administrator for six years. And during that time, I loved my job. But about a year in, I felt like I needed a creative outlet. And so I started pairing children's books with activities for the kids. And a couple years later, with real world experiences. And over time, it grew and evolved until it became a global venture. And as far as a fun fact, about me, my great, 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 I think 12 greats back, grandfather was on the Mayflower. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> Thanks for finding this land. This is awesome. <laughs> no, my pleasure. So Cassie, when did this all start for you? When did you discover that you had a love for books? You know, Ray, I really can't pinpoint it. I knew that I wanted to work with kids about halfway through college. I interned at Make-A-Wish Foundation and there was just something internal that happened in me that I really wanted to work for kids, even if it was like a behind the scenes capacity. And when I was preschool administrator, it was just like the perfect job. I was around kids every day. I was around children's books every day in all the classrooms and somewhere along the line, it just happened. Happened. There was no like epiphany moment where I'm like, I really love children's books because I don't even have my own kids. I have nieces and nephews. Mm. But somewhere along the way, I just realized it. Now, you did a lot of work during COVID, right? I read that you had a lot of YouTube moments during COVID that kind of helped kids get through it. I did. So our preschool was closed for two and a half months because we didn't have enough essential workers kids to warrant reopening. And during that time, I played around with the idea of books and bringing it to life in a digital format. And so I did some readings, recorded readings for our kids and our students. And we're just about to go back. And I was at a beach house and sitting there with my best friend. And I turned to her and said, what if we start a YouTube channel that pairs children's books with real world experiences, like I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if the idea would land anywhere. You know, at this point, everything was still shut down. You know, nobody is inside their businesses. And so I tested out in my hometown and lo and behold, it took root. And I started, if I can do it in my hometown, I can do it in Austin. I can do it in Dallas. And now we have filmed everywhere from Wyoming to Massachusetts and Maine. Well, that is amazing. Where's home at? I am right outside of Austin, Texas, kind of in the suburbs called Round Rock. Oh, yeah. Very familiar with Round Rock. Yeah, nice place. Really nice place. Now, 
could you dive into more what pairing children's stories with real life experiences looks like for some of our listeners? Absolutely. It is one of the funnest parts of my job. I feel like every aspect of the program, it just has a different flavor. When I'm out on reading tours with the kids, I get to see all the kids and the YouTube channel in particularly has been a really amazing experience for me. One, because I get to connect with people from all different backgrounds and we come together for the mission of inspiring kids to read. So for mm. example, pretty much everyone knows the book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar, right? It's a, it's mm -hmm. a global bestseller. And I had really wanted to do this episode at the Houston Museum of Natural Science. And they have an incredible butterfly exhibit. It's called the Cockrell Butterfly Center. And I wanted to film with their on-staff entomologist to learn that real science of the caterpillars and the butterflies. And it took me a very long time to get this. And I would even stop by the museum to try and talk with their PR department. It took about six months until wow. I finally got the right connection, the director of public relations. And I just happened to be going to Galveston for spring break. And so I kind of implemented work a little bit. I went back to Houston to film that day. And what it looks like is that we take about an hour to film, obviously the editing, it's a lot short of an episode. And we highlight the book and to kind of in inspire the kids to go find it at your library or if you have it at home. So we don't read it on camera. We kind of give a highlight and a summary. And then we go in the field and I interview live these different people. And I have interviewed so many types of different people. The head paleontologist at the Pro Museum, we just took a tour of the, the most famous lighthouse in Maine, the Portland Headlight, or mm. We're going moose hunting and uh, interviewing a park ranger at the Grand Teton National Park. So it's no two episodes are ever alike. And I've even had people, adults from around the world, like the episodes because, yes, they're made for kids and for kids to understand them, but not so elementary that the information isn't really engaging for older audiences. I'm trying to think of a book now. Nick, anything come to mind? Nothing's coming to mind, but I know the Hungry Caterpillar book and my son actually dressed up as the Caterpillar for book parade at his preschool a few years ago. Oh my goodness. And now we can just pull up the YouTube. Yes, now you have to watch the episode. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so far, what has been your favorite adventure? Moose hunting sounds kind of cool. Yes, we are very lucky to find a moose that year because it was very hot up in mm -hmm. Wyoming. Um, you know, I get asked that question and it's really hard for me. I really enjoy the episodes, especially with the animals. SeaWorld has sponsored three or four episodes so far. We're about to go back for a trilogy. Oh, man. This question is always so hard for people. <laughs> I'll pick one of my favorites. Okay. It was filming inside the penguin exhibit at SeaWorld. We got to actually walk in there, and it was like being in Antarctica for a moment. The penguins were all around us. It was snowing inside. And we did the interview like right there amidst all the penguins. Non-animal wise, one of my favorites was Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. We filmed it at the Albuquerque Hot Air Balloon Festival on the field. And so we interviewed hot air balloon pilot and a crew chief. And that was just a really incredible experience getting that up close footage on the field. Wow, that's fun. That's a lot of fun. Did you get to go for a ride in the hot air balloon? I did not, unfortunately. Not that time. <laughs> I'm scared of heights, so that wouldn't have done me any good. 
as a father, I want to say thank you. It's quite an amazing thing that you do. And and we're huge promoters of reading in our household. I mean, we all grab a book every night and make sure that it's it's a fundamental way of life. What do you find most fulfilling in what you do? Furthering children's education around the world, and not only just education, but ultimately giving them a better life. Hmm. Because what we try to do is by encouraging a love of reading in all the different ways that we do, it's giving them that experience that they won't forget. And there was an article by Psychology Today that emotions, they're memorable. Mm -hmm. And so if we can give kids really memorable experiences, whether on the YouTube channel or on our book tours, by training teachers how to bring books to life in their classrooms, all the ways, then they will see reading as something that's fun and engaging. And not only when they're young, but they'll take that with them throughout their middle school years, their high school years, their collegiate years, and into their adult years mm -hmm. to where learning is something that is seen as a positive thing that they'll want to do. And so that's the ultimate goal. That's amazing. Is there any kind of demographic that you guys look for when deciding where to take the book tour, for example, areas that have lower levels of kids engaged in reading or, or different minority groups or whatever it may be? So we started doing tours actually just this year. Our first tour was in February and they have just gained so much traction. As far as location, we have really kind of grown it here in the Austin area. So mm -hmm. our first several tours were here in Austin ISD. And uh, we received a grant from United Way to go into Title I schools. And so Title I schools are really those lower income schools mm. that a majority of the kids are behind in their reading. And so we have specifically targeted those schools as far as the tours go. And we have gone to, I wanna say almost 75% of the Title I schools in Austin ISD. Mm -hmm. And we've also gone to some in Pflugerville and Maynard. We're actually getting ready to do our next year's tours in Del Valley ISD, going back to Maynard and Pflugerville. And so it, it just brings my heart so much joy to give them something that they would probably never get. And I say this in that, kind of what we do is more or less labeled as an author visit. I don't author these books. They're the very, very famous books, Pete the Cat, and If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to that kind of programming, some of these schools don't have the budget for those type of things. And because we're completely grant funded, we do all our programming for free mm. to these schools. And that just makes it so accessible to really get inside these schools when otherwise they wouldn't have that kind of budget. Do you ever get any pushback? I would say the only pushback is because, and, and there have been a few schools that said, we can't make this happen. They're understaffed or they don't have a librarian at the time, something with their staffing that they're not able to. But our tours are, are very simple. Uh, we mm -hmm. bring in the costume. Sometimes, depending on if my colleague can't go with me during that scheduled time, they'll have a volunteer from the school. I've even had 
a principal hop in the costume before for the kids. And I have my own audio set. So, I mean, we can get in and be on stage in less than 10 minutes. It's not this huge production, but it's what's needed, right? The costume and people can hear you read the book. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a $5,000 production or me coming in with the costume. They don't know the difference. What they know is that this is super fun and it's super engaging. And at the end of the day, I mean, they go home talking about it with their teachers, with their parents. That's the goal. I've even had librarians tell me that the kids are still asking for the mouse that we did in back in February. Like, where's the mouse? When's the mouse coming back? Like over six months later. So that's what we're going for. They remember that. And that is still a great, fun experience. That's amazing because, I mean, you think about some of these books that are turned into movies, right? The movies or whatever, but being able to turn this book into a real life experience that they could visualize right there on set just creates a memory for a lifetime, kind of like seeing Santa Claus. Yes, exactly. And different people have done it in different arenas. You know, Disney does it by bringing their characters into the parks. And really, that's what makes Book Days unique is that nobody has done this particular pairing. Mm -hmm. Because really, at the end of the day, you know, creativity, I, I talk a lot about creativity and, and how that looks like and how that can be implemented in life. And I've come to find that it's really seeing the same picture, but in a different perspective. Like mm. I didn't write the books, I didn't make the costumes, but when they're put together, something really magical happens. Right. I mean, look at Steve Jobs, put things together and something magical happened. It was called Apple. <laughs> Yes. Keep this in the back of your mind, but Nick and I like dressing up in costumes and, you know, we're, we're, we're right up the road from you. Oh, that's good to know. That is good to know. <laughs> Could you imagine? Let me know if you guys ever want to volunteer. We're, we're in. We're down. We're down in the off season. Now, what does a, a regular book tour look like? So typically they are three consecutive days back to back and mm. we go to four schools a day. So it is very busy. I leave very early in the morning. Uh, typically, like I said, we've been in Austin ISD. And so for those Texans, you know that our highways get very busy here in the mornings, the rush hour traffic, especially, you know, coming back from COVID and people going back in the office. So I-35 is a nightmare. So I sometimes leave anywhere between like 6, 6.30 to make sure I'm at the schools. We hit the ground running by 8 a.m. And we're only at every school like for an hour. And that includes the reading, the meet and greet. We're pretty much in and out in an hour. So eight to nine is our first show. I allow an hour for travel, turn around around the city. And then we do 10 to 11, 12 to 1, and 1.45 to 2.45. So we don't even stop for lunch. <laughs> we pack our lunch, we eat along the way. Everything is go, go, go. But it is so much fun. And in... One day, sometimes we have actually read to a thousand kids in a day. <gasps> that has been our max. And every three-day tour on average is around 2,500 kids that we, we reach. Do you have a set goal? That's a great question. So actually my goal for 2023 was 10,000 kids, reaching 10,000 kids. And we surpassed that by over 2,000. So we read to over 12,000 kids. And a few of those were at community events like libraries and things, but a majority of that was at school tours. And 84% of those were at Title I campuses. Awesome. Do you plan on further expanding out of Austin, Texas in 2024? So we have 
uh, received a grant from United, another grant from United Way to do all of Del Valley ISD in the spring, finish Pflugerville ISD, and go to all the campuses in Manor ISD. So it all depends, like I said, on funding, where the grants are, the demographics they're looking at. We received a grant from the Kendra Scott Foundation for the fall tours, and those all focused in Austin ISD. But kind of a fun fact, too, we partnered with Texas Longhorn and Kansas chief linebacker Derek Johnson, who has a foundation Mm. called Defend the Dream. And his foundation beautifies Title I libraries here in Austin. And so new books, a corner of their library will be new books, new bookshelves, really create a like a brand new reading nook for the kids. And so we partnered, he came on tour with me and we're going to continue doing tours together to where we do a joint reading at the schools that he has remodeled their libraries. And so it's just really been awesome to partner with people that have a passion for kids and education that don't do the exact same thing that I do, but together we can make an even bigger impact. Amazing. And in all this, you're also a keynote speaker. Yes, I am. How many speaking engagements do you do annually in between the book tours? The speaking engagements have really come off of the whole brand of book days. It's something that I'm scaling in 2024, but those have kind of more recently got underway from really how the program has progressed. I have been doing a lot of speaking and mentoring with educators around the world, how to bring books to life in their classrooms. But when I was really thinking about my journey of book days and creating book days, it really hinged on the one word creativity. And really thinking about how creativity has impacted my life and how I've used that to ultimately create a global children's literacy program in a way that I didn't mean to. I I say that I'm Mm. an unexpected entrepreneur because I never would have imagined in a million years that I would be where I am today. And entrepreneurship was not anything that I wanted to aspire to. I even remember a time in college to where I was asked by a professor in front of the whole class if I wanted to be an entrepreneur or not. And I said, absolutely not. My giftings are management and managing established things well. And that's what I did as a preschool administrator. And it wasn't until I needed a creative outlet, I started pairing the activities with the books. And it wasn't like an explosion, like, oh, overnight, I'm a, you know, there's a global program, but with perseverance, overcoming disappointment, and ultimately letting myself rest and rejuvenate to keep those creative cycles going. And um, it's just been an incredible experience that I'm, I'm just so grateful to be a part of today. So growing up as a child, were you always this creative? I would say I definitely had a creative streak. It came out in a lot of different aspects. I enjoyed scrapbooking. I had a jewelry business when I was younger. I've always enjoyed thinking creatively, whether that was a college paper or, hey, how can we, you know, partner with this organization, even before Book Days was even a thought. So yes, I would say my dad has his own cabinet business. And so he would do all the envision the cabinets and do the drawings. And he did some for some very high end clients, including Willie Nelson. Nice. Yeah, yeah, here in the Austin area. And so my grandma was a painter. So I would say creativity is definitely in the bloodline. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
At Make-A-Wish Foundation, I was in the wish department and I did drawings on the bags for the kids. If I have a picture, I pull up a picture online that's not too intricate, more kind of like a clip art type, I can free draw it pretty well. And so I did that for the kids at Make-A-Wish. It's in your DNA. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. And you are an entrepreneur. Seriously, selling jewelry when you were younger? I did. You already had that going. You know where you're headed, Cassie Kincaid. (laughs) You got this. So... Within all of the things that you do, where do you find balance and time for yourself? I have had to work at that. During my time as preschool administrator, I would really look forward to the holidays at times off when we weren't at work because I would focus all that time on book days. Book days was my passion project. I wanted just to do so much for it, whether it was get on Pinterest and look for new ideas or, hey, hunting this, you know, this grant down, applying for this money. Uh, The program has been an educational nonprofit since like day one. And so that has allowed for a lot of opportunities, the grants and even just different uh, corporations. We've received funds from uh, Whole Foods and Flex, the electronics company and smaller grants and donations. And so just seeing how I could pitch people or an upcoming YouTube episode, it was just always so fun for me and it still is. But as far as relating it to time off, Now that it's my full-time job, I really have to mentally unplug. And that's very difficult for me. I'm coming up here on on Thanksgiving break. I'm like, I'm going to take the week off. I'm taking the week off. My family's coming into town. I'm unplugging. And I think it's something that we mentally have to do. As far as like self-care goes, I understood it a little bit, but I didn't fully grasp the concept until my grandma passed away this year. And like mentally, I was exhausted just from losing her. Um, at the time I was having some, some health issues. And so like physically and mentally, I just couldn't. And most of the time my family is very, just like you go, like you step on it, you go hundred percent, 90% of the time. And I just couldn't. And it really made me internalize the importance of self-care and unplugging. I had two tours coming up when she passed away and I couldn't even think about going back into the office. I took three weeks off and I'm like, you know what? It'll all get done, but I can't right now. I can't mentally, I can't physically do it. And it was such a great lesson for me to not only like big seasons of life, because things happen in our lives to where we just need to take a step back, you know, whether it's our personal lives, our families, but even more than that, make sure you're taking the time. Every week I take Saturday and I just totally unplug from everything. And taking those moments to do that is so important to our mental state and to our work. We're not gonna be at our best when we're just grinding 24 seven. And really creativity is amplified in rest. Stanford did a study that literally taking walks, whether it's on a treadmill or you just take a walk outside, it rejuvenates creativity. And so whether it's those bigger moments, you know, you take a full day off, you take a vacation or those little periods throughout the day, it's very important. Especially in your line of work, because you are impacting thousands of lives of children who are at an impressionable age and you can't show up for these kids, not at a hundred percent, because the last thing you want is that lasting impression of this person with no energy because they're so stressed out or whatever it may be. So you're, you're 100% 
Correct. Also, rest allows us the opportunity to de-stress, recharge, and of course, there's the creativity uh, aspect of it. And it allows us to be able to show up as our best self for everybody else. So I love that. Now, I want to get into the fulfilling purpose aspect of this. How do you define purpose in your life? So purpose for me, I have found my purpose as I kind of mentioned earlier, is waking up every day knowing that I'm impacting so many kids' lives for their future. I don't think that purpose is something like, oh my word, if I don't find my one thing, then I'm I'm lost forever. I haven't made any kind of impact in life. And sometimes our purpose can change. Mine is impacting kids' lives and through education and into their futures. But, But sometimes... Like, I don't know how long book days will be around, but that doesn't mean that, you know, one day, if it's not, that I I don't find another purpose. And for me, it's all about touching people's lives. And no matter what that looks like today, it's book days and hopefully far into the future. But purpose is to me, first of all, being right and living for God. And then that transpires into everything else. And Mm. when you said, you know, the podcast is a balanced purpose, right? And to me, that has to be first and foremost, and then everything else fall into place that we're being filled and we're being given what we need to give out and to be a blessing to other people. And so whether that's the kids on our tours, the YouTube channel, all the audiences that I speak with the keynote that's it. You know, God and people and everything else just falls into place from there. I love it. A true life of service. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Thanks for that, Cassie. You're 100% correct. The one constant that we have is change and the world's going to continue to change. It's going to continue to evolve just like we are. And so in that, our purpose changes because we all we all have our specific gifts and we kind of know what we're here for, especially if you're in tune, right? with spirituality or religion everyone's different and if that's the case then as the world changes and evolves so will we so you're 100 percent correct now through book days and all of the projects that you're working on now what legacy do you hope to leave behind for the world i hope to leave a legacy of learning the book days that we do are memorable but i want for somebody even in the middle and high school and be like, I remember that. That was powerful to me. And now I'm pursuing this or pursuing that. It's the same kind of concept as we all have those people that have either told us something profound in life or mentored us. And for me, like it was a couple people in high school, you know, I'm way past high school, but I remember those people, or I remember certain things people have told me. It doesn't matter how, how old we are. We have people like that. And I want to be one of those people that inspired, inspired a better life, inspired education, inspired creativity, and ultimately leave a legacy of being an advocate for emergent literacy around the world. Perfect. Now, for people out there that are struggling to find their way, what's some advice that you would give someone today, someone who is just getting out of high school, going into college, and just has no clue what they want to do? I would say, first of all, don't put pressure on yourself because those early years, like right out of high school into college, you are just figuring it out. So when people ask you, 
what do you want to be when you grow up? Which I kind of hated. <laughs> I'm like, ah. um, <laughs> don't feel pressure to have a big answer. You know, if, if you're going to go and pursue engineering or being a doctor, like that's all great. But if you are like me going to school for business, you know, that can go a lot of different ways. And that was something I think an Olympic gold medalist said to one of our classes, he was a guest in, in our class one day, and I still remember that. And it's okay. Give yourself permission to explore things and make connections where you don't think there are any. And that's what really book days is like the, the premise of it, that I started pairing books and experiences, books and activities. You know, there was no connection between a paleontologist and, you know, essentially a book. And until you created one and it was something more than just a hobby or a good idea. So number one, don't pressure yourself. And number two, explore things. It's okay if you change majors. It's okay if you don't find it the first time because, you know, I was super fulfilled as a preschool administrator and book days came along the way, but I was super fulfilled and found a lot of purpose in being a manager of a school. And so that season changed. And so there's not pressure to be like, find that one purpose of your life because like we talked about, it changes. It certainly will. And uh, just like this goal of 10,000 kids, I know that's going to change too. I have, I have a feeling that next time we talk, it's going to be more like 100,000. And I can't wait to hear all about it. Now, if any of our listeners wanted to learn more about Cassie Kincaid and all the fun things that you do, is there a website that they can go to? Absolutely. There are actually two websites. So there is the Book Days website, bookdays.org. And there's galleries, pictures that you can find the YouTube channel on there. And it will also take you to my speaking page, which is cassiekincaid.com, which is easy. It's my name, my speaker website. So whether anybody's looking for inspiration for their kids, ideas, there's tutorials to do at home, uh, teachers, there's photo galleries of everything that we've done in the classroom, the YouTube channel for parents and teachers. And if there's people looking for speakers for any of their events, uh, definitely you can find me the speaker tab from the Book Days website or just CassieKincaid.com and find all the information there. Awesome. And we'll upload that into our show notes as well. And you have a big speaking engagement coming up here. In, in a little while, huh? I am. I'm headed to the Lake Travis Chamber of Commerce today. That's awesome. Fun stuff. Well, I appreciate you being with us today and taking time out of your busy day to hang out with us over here at the Balance Purpose Podcast. It's been fun. Well, thank you so much for having me, Ray. It's been such a joy uh, to talk with you today in our conversation on living a balanced life. Balance Purpose Podcast was created and hosted by me, Ray Trevino, and is produced and edited by Nick Goltney. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Check us out at balancepurposepodcast.com and on Instagram at balancepurposepodcast. Remember, finding your purpose is a journey, not a destination, and it takes time and effort to achieve balance. Make it a great day.